Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history. If you have an experience that you'd like to share, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. At the end of each episode, I ask the participant to frame final words for future generations who may be looking back on this pandemic with curiosity, wonder, or the need for knowledge, just as we are looking back at the Spanish flu of 1918. These words don't always make it into the final podcast episodes, so every 10th episode will be a special edition of the final thoughts of the previous 10 participants. I think like now, right now, hold on to the people, figure out one, figure out the people who mean something to you and who are important. And then hold on for dear life and do not let go and check in now and let them know you care because if you lose them, you don't get to go back and tell them that you care. And if you don't lose them, the strength of that relationship post COVID, post whatever's happening will ensure for the rest of your days you're okay and you're cared for even when you're alone like that's been the most important thing is just even while I say that like we didn't keep up on zoom knowing that these people are literally a message away when things are shitty like I said if we didn't have the technology that we have now if all we had was landlines and I didn't have the internet I don't know if I would exist anymore because that dark cloud I don't think I would even know what was beyond it and it's been such a long time like it wasn't just a couple of months it was like a couple of months and a couple of months and a couple of months knowing that I had someone who would tell me, don't be dumb, like, don't be stupid, be alive, don't give up, like, we'll see each other again. If you want to see me right now, even though I'm in pajamas, and like, I look like crap, and the dog is asleep next to me, like, if you want to FaceTime, you can FaceTime me. Having that, obviously having my parents, but I know that sometimes people aren't lucky enough to have both of their parents alive or their parents aren't in their lives for some reason. Um, having those people, having this handful of people all around, like not where I live. I don't have anyone other than my parents in Florida who I would like hang out and talk with. It's like my friend in Pennsylvania or my friend in Minnesota or one of my friends in LA. Like my friends are all over, but 
they're literally a message away. And so I, I don't, I think I kind of took that for granted before the, the, it's like a family that you build, like build it and make sure you take care of it basically, because that's what's going to matter when, (laughs) when, when you're stuck in a house for over a year because you're afraid to go to a grocery store those people are only a message away and those people are the reason why I'm as okay as I can be at this moment. <laughs> it makes me sad to think of someone who doesn't have that. And, and that, that it to me is the worst. And I, you know, I guess it's easy to assume everybody has friends, but there might be people that don't know, or for whatever reason, don't have a net. So it's like make, making it doesn't even have to be I mean I probably have maybe five people who are like my absolute go-to people and that's okay with me I don't need 40 people like I just need to know that those five people if I need them they're there and that's made all of the difference I think the message that I would have is the same one that I have said pretty much throughout this entire thing, even when things were really bad and even when things were very difficult. And by very difficult, I mean, I had like a week's worth of panic in which I almost randomly moved in with an acquaintance I did not know very well. Just to be, you know, just to have a lockdown buddy. Thank goodness that did not happen. Sanity did eventually come to the fore. So there were times that were really difficult, but the one thing that I kept on telling everyone, and I said it at the beginning, and I said it during, and I still say so now, and I definitely see the effects of it now, is pretty much this. For all of us, all of us, it doesn't matter who you are, what your job is, what your situation is, where in the world you live, and everything else. The one thing that all of us have problems with is that you know, we have to go to work, we have to make a living, we have to make money, we have to do all these things. So basically, it is, it is the cliche of, you know, Max Weber and our modern life, our time doesn't belong to us, our time is not ours. And yet, our time is actually the only real possession that we have, it's the only thing that's expendable, you know, once it's gone, it's gone, and we can never get it back. And it's, it's a finite resource. And it's one that as human beings, our normal lives, we're essentially giving it away. We're selling it every minute of the day. And I think the pandemic is the first time, no pun intended, is the first time where where that starts feeling like our own again. And I think every challenge, what all these things, we're faced with the difficulty of that. For a lot of us, it might mean looking at issues or our shadow selves or behaviors or ways that we have expended time to distract ourselves. Or it's been that in the past, we haven't been able to get enough time with our families or anything else. But it's for the first sort of experience, I thought of it like at what other point in a normal human life are we going to sort of be given this opportunity to really possess it and to be able to actively and mindfully and consciously think about how we want to spend it and what we want to spend it on and who we want to spend it on. And that comes with its own sort of gifts and penalties and issues and problems. But I, I, I think that part of the reason why 
the sea change and the changes in societies and in culture and in life in families and ourselves and everything else. I think it's because it's completely reoriented our relationship with that particular finite resource that we possess in the way that we share or don't with the world around us and with the people around us. I think it's, it depends on the country they will be living in. <laughs> I think one of the important things is to save your mind, so not to get panic. And yeah, just sometimes um, stop reading all the news. So if there is some pandemic and you're uh, more or less safe and in some isolated place, uh, it's one of the best options is just to relax and wait. Yeah, I can agree with Alex. Uh, I think that it's very important just to have uh, people. Uh, maybe it it won't be possible to to see them. I mean, offline, but it's very um, important to have someone you can just call even through Zoom and uh, to discuss your feelings. And uh, it's very important not to think that uh, your uh, thoughts and feelings are like, strange uh, because if you feel something, it uh, means that it's very it's important. Uh, and uh, it's great when you can discuss it with someone, uh, even in online. And yeah, I can agree that it's very important not to read uh, a lot of uh, um, news and other stressful information. Other stressful information from social media. You know, it's a tough one. Um, I want to say to them to have hope um, because it, it will end. Um, but I think right now, like we think it's ending. Um, so we're kind of in that semi hopeful stage. So yes, I do think hope would be a message I'd want them to have. And I think just <sighs> clinging is the wrong word, but you know, holding on to their loved ones, um, you realize who's important in your life, um, and doing whatever you can to make sure that you keep those relationships strong, um, and that you support each other, making sure that your loved ones continue to be in your life in whatever capacity they're able to be um, and doing everything you can just to continue to be a part of theirs um, during this because being a part I think is the hardest thing um, but someday there will be celebrations and, and you know we'll all be together again take each day as it comes take things with a grain of salt I think a lot of the things that happen to me may not be applicable to other people but if you want to think on like kind of like a bigger, more broader approach, I would say probably, you know, take each day as it comes. Try not to get overwhelmed with the amount of news that you can take in because it could be very overwhelming. Um, and just to, you know, keep in touch with loved ones, breathe. It sounds like you can't breathe, but just take a second, take a minute just to do what you can look out for yourself if you can what message i would have let's see i the biggest thing is that communicating is really big helpful thing for this time of course it's it's okay to like shut down for a bit and stuff but you should always try to make sure you're like opening up at least someone 
because like being in your own mind during science is very difficult. And obviously it's, it's okay to have those moments because we're all human, but it's good to maybe try to reach out to people, things like that. I guess the message I would like them to have would be that it is possible to take care of one another. I don't mean just the one another that you know, like people that you don't know, people that you've never met. There are ways to take care of one another that are vital and needed. And I hope that our society tilts a little bit more in that way. And to listen to scientists, believe in believe science, do your research, do actual accredited research, check sources, cross-check sources. And and yeah, just if I think that in general, if folks led with the concept of taking care of one another, um, regardless of who the other person is, and if you know them or not, and where they live or not, I think that in general, but also during pandemics we would do a lot better. <laughs> I think that one of the most important things that I have felt coming out of this is the importance of compassion and empathy. And I had a lot of that going into this anyway. I'm a social worker. If I didn't have compassion and empathy, I would be doing some other kind of work. Everybody's experience with this has been so different. And you never know if the person that you're talking with is in the middle of their the worst day of their life, you know, and especially in the work that we do in my department in, in serving people who are living in poverty. And for a lot of people, that's a, that's a chronic condition for them. It's a lifestyle. And when they come here for help, it's because they've exhausted all other possible options. And the needs of, of our clientele became so much more intense with the pandemic and our staff have been through so much um, working through all of those with the people that we serve. It's paid a really, really heavy toll on, on everybody, the emotional toll. Our staff get to their breaking point too. And I just, I don't know, I think about where I go, you know, and I, if I see a grocery store worker, you know, their, their role in all of this maybe seems so small, but it, it's like, those people rose to the top as some of the most important people. And I, I just like, I don't know, service workers are maybe not that highly respected, but without them, like our society wouldn't really have gotten through this at all. And so to treat people with respect and compassion, knowing that, you know, they may be going through hell too. And everybody's reality of this whole situation is their own. And, you know, like I think about that day that my daughter collapsed in tears, like there just becomes a point where you just hit your limit, you hit your max. And when that happens, you need people to just understand and, and have that compassion and have that empathy. And I really think that it, had we got, had we as society embraced more of that compassion and empathy, I really think that we'd be a lot further along right now in fighting this virus if we just stopped to consider other people's experience and gave them some grace and just, I don't know, have some understanding. And all of the stress that you go through, like not to lose the love really that holds people together. Because 
you know, something that seems really stupid to you, like a dozen donuts might be somebody else's breaking point. And it's just, I don't know, it's been such a hard thing for so many people to go through to just have the space in your heart, I suppose, to, to understand that this may be the worst thing that people are going through in their entire lives. And we can all help it feel maybe a little easier if we just support each other and have that compassion and keep the love going. Trust the people that were really affected by in uh, from history. Uh, learn it from their experience and be more prepared by by its future because there will there will be always another pandemic. Yeah, pretty much just be ready. I wish I desperately wish that uh, conspiracy theories just stopped being a thing. Yeah, my uh, my grandfather's wife. Uh, it was two weeks ago. Cried because he decided to get a vaccine, and she was absolutely certain that he was going to die if he got the vaccine. And it's it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't have words. It's it's a bit ins not insane. It's not the word, but it's uh, it's. I feel a bit of desperation when I see uh, the situation is difficult enough without people knowingly un or unknowingly spreading misinformation and these these conspiracy theories. It's it's good to be skeptical and prudent, but not to the point where you are convinced that everyone is lying to you. And it's, I have a colleague who's absolutely certain that there are microchips in the vaccine. He's convinced. And I'm like, no, dude, please, no, don't say that. And yeah, that's one of the things. And also, what else? Um, if, if they could be uh, more prepared, but the problem is how do you prepare for something like this? Uh, in Belgium, we had a, normally we have a stockpile. The government has a stockpile of uh, um, surgical masks for the country just in case. But exactly in 2019, the batch of masks uh, got was um, outdated. It, it had to be uh, replaced. And so they had to make a, 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 an appel d'offre and they had to call for a, a, yeah, where could we get the best quality for the cheapest price and so on. And it took so long that when the pandemic hit, we didn't have surgical masks because there was this administrative problem plus, and the timing was just the worst. So. We were prepared, but people did, didn't take it seriously. So they were like, no, we got time to find masks for cheap. And then, no, we didn't have the time. It was just the perfect moment to screw everything. And we had so little masks in the country that the government said, no, no, sh uh, surgical masks are not necessary. They said that to the broader population so that they could save surgical masks for the doctors. That's the thing that really happened. And 
it's crazy <laughs> to think that they had to to tell a lie so that people would stop using something so that it could be used for uh, the people who needed it most. And 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 moreover, it created a, a distrust towards the government. And yeah. Episodes are being released as soon as I get the interviews. So subscribe so that you don't miss a thing and share if this meant something to you and if you think others might benefit. Stay safe. Stay well.